0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. We continue in Exodus chapter 12 with the instructions that God gives to Moses and to his people leading up to the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, which we see later in this chapter, as well as to the Exodus itself, God's people leaving uh, the land of Egypt. We'll be looking this morning at verses 14 through 28 from Exodus chapter 12. If you have not brought a Bible with you this morning, our passage is found on page 54 in the Black Pew Bibles this morning. If you'd like to uh, read along with us, Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 14, hear the word of the Lord. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, That person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt." Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt." When he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father, we ask that you would write your word on our hearts this morning. Indeed, that you would draw our hearts to you, that with all of our heart, we might love and follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As many of you know, my dad was a World War II Navy captain. My dad's favorite holidays, I guess Christmas was one of them, but really his favorite holidays were the 4th of July and Memorial Day. And um, those two days he would get up early in the morning and hang the flag uh, outside of the house. And I did not see my dad cry, weep all that much. He did not uh, shed a whole lot of tears that that I saw, I'm much more of a blubberer than he was. But the times that I did were oftentimes during these celebrations on Fourth of July and Memorial Day. There was something about these times that that moved him. He had pride in his country, especially over against tyranny. at stand against uh, tyranny. It was a country that he fought for, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was important for him to remember these special events and these uh, special holidays were, were especially special uh, to my dad. And it is important for us to remember special days and special events. In the context here of our passage, we see the first Passover, instructions for the very first Passover and last week we actually looked at three of four key words that I said we're going to see in these first 28 verses. those first three key words that we saw last week were judgment, substitution and deliverance. Well to let today we're going to focus on the fourth of those four key words and that is remembrance. they are to keep, a Passover celebration as a remembrance for the generations to come. And here in verse 14, we actually see that that God says, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever you shall keep it as a feast. We're going to focus this morning, and I'm going to outline my sermon around those three terms. You shall keep it for a memorial day, a memorial, a feast to the Lord, secondly, and as a statute forever. So that's how we'll organize our sermon this morning. First of all, it is a memorial. Passover was The great Old Testament redemptive event. Or, as my um, college Old Testament professor, one of my uh, first mentors in biblical studies, used to put it, the redemptive event par excellence in the Old Testament, the Exodus. And as we saw last week in verses 1 and 2 of this chapter, the Jewish calendar is arranged according to this celebration, the memorial of Passover. It is the beginning of the year for uh, the Jews. And in fact, again, as we saw last week in the first, first 13 verses, excuse me, uh, the meal, the parts of the meal are all reminders. The unleavened bread, because there was no time for it to rise, so they ate their bread unleavened. The lamb that was slain, both to be eaten but also to put its blood uh, on the door frame. The bitter herbs to be eaten to remind them of the bitterness of their slavery in Egypt. All of these symbols of redemption. And we see here in verse 14 that God says you are to keep this throughout your generations and that phrase is repeated in, in verse 24, for, or essentially that same idea for you and your sons forever, you are to observe this statute. In fact, he tells them, when you, when you enter the land, in verse 25, you are to keep this statute. When you enter, and in fact, that's what the Israelites did. If you, if you look in Joshua chapter 5, right after the Israelites entered the land, they kept a Passover feast to the Lord, obeying God's command. This memorial also includes a, a time of instruction. It's important there to instruct the children of what God has done uh, for his people. But notice this Passover feast, God says in verse 7, 15, is to last for seven days. For seven days, you are to eat unleavened bread. Seven, of course, is the, the number of completion. Seven days of this festival is going to have a lasting impact on God's people year after year after year. Eating unleavened bread for seven straight days is going to have a a lasting impact, a striking reminder, its taste, its its texture, lasting uh, memorials. Seven days again for emphasis as they eat this bread. All of this for reminders, remembering what God has done, the great redemptive work that God has performed for his people. Dr. Claire Davis, as a church historian, professor emeritus of at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. He once made the comment that the Christian life is a combination of amnesia and deja vu. He went on to say this, I know I've forgotten this before. Amnesia and deja vu. I know I've forgotten this before. What's the point? The point is, we need to keep learning what we keep forgetting. We need to keep learning what we keep forgetting. Human beings need constant reminders. We are made in such a way in our our sinful nature, and by the way, when you get older, it becomes worse. We keep forgetting things. We keep forgetting things. Sometimes we even use forgetfulness as an excuse. It was an old Steve Martin comedy routine. Yes, I once saw him in, in, live in person with his comedy routine when I was a, a teenager, Steve Martin. Easy way to get out of trouble, Steve Martin said. You don't pay your taxes, the IRS comes to your door. Why didn't you, ta- Why didn't you pay your taxes? Two words, I forgot. Well, obviously that doesn't work. But Steve Martin says that's the way out of paying your taxes. One of our sons, and no, it's not Luke. Don't look at him this morning. (laughs) Once hit his sister. And he said to us, legitimately, I forgot, I wasn't supposed to hit my sister. (laughs) We forget. It is the nature of human beings. We do easily forget, and so we need various ways to remember. Christianity, we, we need to remember. It's one of the reasons why, in the Reformation, the, the Reformers got rid of the, the complicated, exhaustive uh, church calendar from the Catholic Church, but they kept the six festival days. Advent, the coming of Christ, uh, the, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, etc., etc., we, we, we need helpful reminders, especially, though, the weekly Sabbath, the weekly Lord's Day. And also, as we're going to celebrate in just a few moments, the, 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 the Lord's Supper. As Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. We need these constant reminders in our lives. So this Passover was to be a memorial. Secondly, it was a a feast. As verse 14 says here, keep it as a feast to the Lord. What is a a feast? It's to be a, a communal celebration That's what it was to be for the Israelites, a communal celebration. And it was to be for seven days. That's a wonderful celebration. On the 1st and on the 7th, they were to gather corporately for worship. But it was a seven-day long feast, bookended by worship, the worship of the Lord. Notice in verse 16, there is a, a prohibition of work. No work shall be done on those days. And Dr. Currid says in his commentary that the, the negation here, no work is to be done, is, is in the, the Hebrew put in the strongest possible terms. Absolutely none shall be done on those seven days. And we also see here in verse 17, for the first time in Scripture, which makes sense, we see the term, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We actually see this festival, this feast, being called in Scripture by two names. One, Passover, and the other, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Technically, Passover is the first day of the feast, the feast of unleavened bread uh, refers to what follows, and yet, just for an FYI, those terms are used in places interchangeably in our Bibles. But it is a celebration; it is, in many ways, worship to honor the Lord, to to praise Him for His goodness. for his his redemption, for his grace, for his mercies, for his love to his people, for remembering his promises that he has made to his people. It may have been several hundred years, but God does not forget his promises. God is faithful. And what God has promised, God will make good on. And so we rejoice in what God has done. It's no coincidence that worship and drawing near to God and even reading the Bible sometimes is is often described as feasting, as eating, feasting. We read in Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. We read in Psalm 36, 8, of God's people, they feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Jesus describes himself as the bread of life and the source of living water. Water. And he says to the Jews on one occasion in John chapter 6, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Why all this physical language of eating used in a spiritual sense. We could perhaps give many answers to that. But I think one thing that we can say is that everyone has a spiritual hunger that only God can fill. That only God can satisfy. He created us. He created all human beings in His image, and He created us to know Him. We're made in His image to know Him. And everyone looks for ways to to fill the void in their souls, in their hearts. But nothing satisfies. Or as Marie Antoinette famously said, nothing tastes, nothing satisfies. But God himself, feeding on him by faith. The good news, as the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians, is that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us keep the feast. Christ died for our sins that we might know him, that we might know God, that we might worship God, that we might be able to to feed on him by faith, that we might be able to have communion with him, fellowship with the living God. This includes, by the way, the, the Lord's Supper, Like all feasts, all of the the senses are involved when we, we come to the Lord's Supper, as we will do in just a little while. We see, we touch, we smell, we taste, we hear the promises of God as we introduce the Lord's Supper. It is a full sensory experience when we come to the Supper. One of Christie and my favorite movies is a, a movie called Babette's Feast. If you don't like foreign movies with subtitles, you won't like this one, but this is a wonderful movie. The movie is about a, a woman named Babette who was a, a a a chef at a gourmet restaurant in in Paris, who was forced to leave uh, Paris, really, to run for her life. And she went to live with, with two women who were, at that point, leading or directing a, a very austere sect uh, that had been started by their father. Uh, they ate very little, and they, they ate very simply and lived very simply. And Babette stayed with them and lived with them and cooked for them very simply for many, many years, this gourmet Paris chef. And yet, several years later, she wins the lottery, she wins 10,000 francs, and she spends it all to make a feast for these women and this small little group gathering for some kind of worship or whatever we might might call it. They see it as a luxury and they're hesitant to partake. but by the end of the meal the, the, the time together becomes joyful. They ask each other for forgiveness for various wrongs done to one another, and it ends up with a, a joyful spirit. I'm not sure what the writer of this movie had in mind, but we can certainly put it in Christian terms. Feeding on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith leads to great joy and hope and reconciliation and communion, not only with one another, but most importantly, communion with the living God. Third and finally, this is a statute forever God gives to his people, a statute forever. Three times in this passage it's called a statute forever, verse 14, verse 17, verse 24. We see that it is a statute, it is a, in other words, a command, or as one commentator puts it, it is a religious duty. It is, in other words, solemn. All are called to obey it. More than that, two times we see here that if someone were to eat leaven during this uh, time, they were to be cut off. This was an, a serious offense to break the command, to, to break God's command with regard to this particular uh, time, cut off, put out of the community. There's gravity here in this statute, this command of God. The Apostle Paul, and again in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, says that we are to cleanse out the leaven of sin. Making reference, I think, in many ways to this very thing—the Passover—as he references in First Corinthians chapter five. We see here that this leaven in verse fifteen seems to indicate that it represents a corrupting influence, and all of this is set in the context of the death. Of the firstborn. And there's a warning for them to stay inside. This is a a sober event. And the instructions that are given for the children in verses 26 and following, when the children say to you, What do you mean by this service? you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. The sacrifice is an offering for sin Israel was liable for its sin not just Egypt as we saw last week the israelites had to perform a sacrifice so that the angel of death would pass over their homes this was not just god's judgment on Egypt for its sin, it was God's judgment on all who sinned, including the Israelites, unless they killed the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts. As Phil Reichen puts it, Passover was not just about deliverance from Egypt, it was also about salvation from sin. But with the blood, God's justice was satisfied sins were covered this is why this is serious business this is why this is a religious duty this is why those who do not keep it well would be cut off this is not just about something temporal it's about something eternal and ultimately in God's plan, all of this pointed to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this is tied to our celebration of the Lord's Supper as we come to that this morning. Indeed, let me lead in to the Lord's Supper now as I conclude. There is, in fact, a close tie, isn't there, between Passover and the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper was instituted at a Passover celebration. And while there were a bunch of other things there, the key elements in the Jewish Passover celebrations then and now are the wine and the matzah, the unleavened bread. And what did Jesus do? He, he took the bread and said, this is my body. This represents my body. He took the wine and said, this is my blood of the the new covenant what what did he say this points to my death not the death of a lamb long time ago it points to to my death i am the substitute for my people i am the spotless lamb of god and i am the lamb of god who takes away the sin of all of my people. As Jesus also said, do this in remembrance of me. In the Lord's Supper, we commune with the Lord Jesus Christ. We also do it in remembrance of what Christ has done. The Lord's Supper as we come this morning is for those for whom Christ has died. It's for those who are trusting in Christ for salvation, who are members of his church. If you are not a believer here this morning, we would ask you today to reflect on this Son of God who came to be the Lamb of God, to give himself as a sacrifice, to give himself as a substitute, to die in the place of his people as a lamb slaughtered to have his blood shed, to turn away death. Parents of children who have not yet made their profession of faith, their public profession of faith, meeting with the elders and coming before the church, use this time to encourage them, teach them, as fathers were to teach God's people at the Passover. Teach them the basics, the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ and their need For the cleansing blood of Christ, as well as to make a public profession of their faith in Jesus Christ. But as the Apostle Paul put it, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast. Let's pray. Our God, how we thank you that indeed Christ has been sacrificed. How we thank you that he is our Passover lamb. And so, O God, we come with thanksgiving and joy in our hearts, and yet we come this morning with great reverence, because we know that we deserve what Christ took on himself. And so, O God, we pray that you would give us both thankful, but also hearts that are in awe of what you have done for us. We give you thanks and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.